Alright, away from your grave. Are you ready to walk and roll? I think I am. You think you am? I think I am. Oh blimey governor, let's get this show on the road. Coming to you live from the Tuna Mine and Cat Recovery Centre, deep within the Super Fortress, Hardcore Genki, it's the Hardcore Genki Hour! Hey, hey kids, kids, do, do you, you like, like nerdy, nerdy things? things? Do you like fun things? Do you like getting excited about stuff? Do you want two geeks talking? About what they've watched and read and done? And made in the last two months? Well, hold on to your egg wrappers. Because now it's time for... The, the Hardcore, Hardcore Genki, Genki Hour! Hour. Hello and welcome to the Hardcore Genki Hour. I'm Andrew Raggedy Man Watton Davis, searching for a balance between the hilarious Game of Thrones memes and getting pariahed for spoilers. And I'm Laura Pinkapple Jam Watton Davis. I'm wearing pop culture as a summer hat and wiping my bum with the rest of it. And this is the April 2019 update in our world of comics, film, TV, conventions, creations and generally being excited about stuff here at the Super Fortress Hardcore Genki. Because if something's worth being excited about, it's worth talking about! And to start off this walk on the wildish side of life... What <laughs> wildish? <laughs> and as our more eagle-eared listeners will have heard, we did say April 2019. <coughs> Be- <coughs> yeah. We did say, yeah, because uh, this is all the material we had planned until to uh, get done on that date. And then life hit us hard. Oh, right up the bum. So, we would like to start out with a shout out to everyone out there who, like us, makes stuff for the passion of it. Absolutely. It's okay <laughs> to miss the deadline when you're not getting paid. Yeah, totally. Totally right. It's... As long as it gets done at some point. I think that's the, that's the story of my comic king life, I think. If you're doing something as a passion project and real life gets in the way... Yeah. Don't feel bad about it. No, we don't. <laughs> we we don't. don't. We give you permission to not feel bad about it, if you, that's what you need. We will, literally. If you want permission, send us an email, superfortresshd at gmail.com. We will respond with permission as to why you're missing it, because I am a huge fan of free of free stuff. I listen to podcasts, I follow webcomics, all that, and you get stories from people who make this stuff. And it's like, I'm really sorry I didn't provide you with your five minutes of monthly enjoyment. My arm got stolen or something. (laughs) Quite right. There's a lot of apologies out there. And I don't know, going forward, I for one would love to see less apologies and more grace, more forgiveness. Yeah. Grace from the reciprocants. From the consumers. From the consumers, because you're not paying for anything, so yeah. let encourage people. That's that's a payment, you know. Even and... if you have paid for it, because let's be honest, there's a lot of Patreons out there. Uh-huh. There's a lot of GoFundMe, all that stuff. Even if I have paid for something, if it's a one-man or a two-man or a three-man show and something unavoidable happens, every time my entire response is, no, it's cool. It's yeah. not a problem. And I, I think I get that people are trying to be this big professional I can output, I can output. But we appreciate and we understand and it's cool. Yeah, mutu- and we have our sympathies. Mutual reciprocation from both sides and understanding, I think. I mean, it's one thing to be a Kickstarter or something that's run away with a bajillion dollars or whatever. Mm. But it's another thing to slowly eke out these things when things are happening or 
you know, no payment is involved. So yeah, long story short, yeah, just do what you can do and support everyone who does. I have a Patreon, but I can't update every month at all mm. due to life and other projects getting in the way. But if I do get time to do it, then I will hit my payment button. That's just how I roll. But just if let you know, people know, yeah, absolutely, just communicate. Don't feel embarrassed. about Yeah, don't it. apologize for it, and understand when people have to do that sort of thing. Yeah, that's all we can do. Meanwhile, on TV. Speechless! Oh my god, okay, so E4... Uh, I wrote an intro! Sorry, <laughs> I was excited about Speechless. Well, I was only going to say that E4 suddenly, fi- well, say suddenly, finally picked up on Speechless. to very little fanfare, and then started popping out one episode every, every evening. And they're on to season three now. So, well done, Ifar. Maybe that's catch-up? I don't know. But I'm so happy. Number one, it got picked up. And number two, it's on every day. So, Andrew, introduce us to Speechless. Okay, if you wish. Let's see what I can remember. <laughs> I insist. Headed by award, Academy Award nominee Minnie Driver and featuring her authentic British action, the American TV show Speechless follows the daily lives of the DeMeo family in suburban USA land. As Maya and Jimmy DeMeo played by John Ross Bowie of The Big Bang Theory without his over-the-top hilarious lisp, uh, take on the trials and tribulations of bringing up a special needs kid, J.J. DeMeo, played by Mitya Fowler and his actual cerebral palsy, along with sports sociopath daughter Dylan, Kayla Kennedy, and grumpy old man's son Ray, Mason Cook. Helping them out and acting as JJ's voice to the world, see what they did there, is Aid Kenneth, played by Cedric Yargberg. Oh yes, and it's breathtakingly hilarious comedy, so it's okay if you laugh. It's totally right. I mean, whenever anything special needsy comes on television, I'm ultimately its number one critic. Because for decades, we just haven't had anything representative but honestly, never before have I seen such a warm-hearted and, but also visceral look at the daily life of a special needs family. Um, it's just, it's particularly relatable if you do, but mm. it's still relatable if you do not, because the dynamic is around them as a family unit. I'm going to be honest. When I saw the build-up for it, what build-up? Well, the like the one trailer and the two mm. two minutes of warning you gave me, <laughs> I was worried it was going to be shit because I've seen so many special needs dramas and special needs programs that go, life with special needs is shit and then continue to say that in different ways for uh, an hour. But were, were this, you worried for how I was going to react or uh, what? Because... No, because I just assumed you'd lose it and if it was a drama, I would assume you'd, you would um, be upset that they were getting it wrong because quite often they do the drama to fit within the desired narrative structure rather than real life. Yeah. And if it was uh, on the wall, I would expect you to be annoyed because they would be getting it details yeah. uh, missing out or they wouldn't have touched on certain subjects. So the fact that, number one, you almost broke down in giggles in the first show. Oh, I think I did, number let alone two, almost. I was know. three minutes into it and pissing myself with actual, <laughs> honestly earned laughter. Yeah. And Probably three, relief. <laughs> no, it was just funny. 
Yeah. This is the thing I want to get. That, that it's about people in a very real situation. Yeah. But it's just actually funny. But it's it's essentially the foibles of human nature, yes. isn't it? Yeah. Right. I mean, one of the simple reasons I love this so much is because JJ, the main character, is an absolute dick. <laughs> I I can't express this how much. Not all the way through. He does say very kind things, but overall his character is... He's a 16-year-old boy that's he, into horror movies totally and boobs. Right. Totally I right. remember what I was like as a 16-year-old. He reminds me of that. Absolutely. He's a real character. He's not the magic cripple that will make everyone else's life better. He's a 16-year-old kid with a disability. Yeah, in fact, that's covered. All the tropes that you get with disability mm. and being ostracized and people just not understanding but it's it's all covered you pushed me in my wheelchair out the way like an object mm. is one of the themes uh talk to me not my aide that's mm. another one you know it's all covered and his aide K- kenneth the character um his aide is played by a black man so they highlight the racial issues mm. And unintended bigotry of everybody around them. And they really pal up about this early on, don't they? And that's so... It's such a relief to see that because it wasn't until a couple of years ago, I think some charity in liaison with Channel 4 possibly actually brought the word ableism to the fore. Like, Mm. we didn't really have the language when people were using bigoted language to... They didn't view it as as offensive as saying certain slurs. But when this charity poster thing actually put don't be racist, uh, don't be homophobic, don't be ableist, it did elevate it. It's almost like, yes, it gave it permission for everybody to realise that saying things like spastic and retard is actually a massive dick thing to do. Mm. So, you know, thankfully... I'm so glad it was E4 that found this show and picked it up. I'm surprised E4 got it. I'm surprised no one else didn't just snap it up. It's that good. I think... Yeah, I mean, who I think it deserves a better... Because this isn't a specialist show. No, but it is on E4 with other shows like The Goldbergs, etc. You know, It is part of their... Big evening, Thursday big Thursday pack- thing package. Yeah, no, it, it's you know the same channel that have massive hits as our favorite Brooklyn Nine Nine. True. Know? So yeah, as I said, we're so used to as viewers, we're so used to hearing this ableism, and mm. it's genuinely refreshing to hear jokes made out of those ridiculous things that non-disabled people think it's okay to say to you. Uh, but it does actually pull up on the defensiveness as well. You know, they make a. Uh, a running in joke about special needs moms you know i'm probably the special needs big sister you know coming in someone dare say a slight and bang you're in there because that's what you've had to put up with for ages you know like the auntie coming in and going and shouting hello jj how are you and the mom saying oh yeah he's still got the palsy he's not deaf you know that just that sort of nonsense you have to deal with It, it that's the thing it's it's not a comedy about special needs no it's a comedy about a family situation because all the demeos are a bit crap and they outright explicitly say this as well that their characters are not great most of the character pretty much every character in that is a bit naff in some way or another doesn't matter who it is this isn't the demeos versus the world no this is some people get it some people don't yeah others think they do and they don't and it's funny because it's 
real and it shoots in every direction and it's just being funny about life absolutely it's I mean, an extreme it, yeah. situation they're not taking the mickey of it that out of the situation yeah. they're going what humor is there in this extreme oh absolutely situation? i mean nobody is safe i mean it pulls you up on the defensiveness and the reach that you can experience in those social mm. situations but it also which i feel very important it also acknowledges how and why this happens to yeah. everybody yes it's magical soap opera land there's more often than not a happy ending per episode but you have no idea how that how it's going to get to a happy ending there's always a good twist um, not going to say what the twist is, but there's a two-part episode where they go to England to sort out a situation and how they intended for the situation to be fixed did not happen. However, yeah. something else was pulled out of the bag and it made sense due to the little um, lead-ups that you aren't really aware of it. You just think it's the dads being goofy again. I also think it's good because there's a lot of groundwork done in it. They yeah. They have a definite story through each episode you don't have to watch each episode no they are pretty self-contained don't they yeah you don't have to watch each each episode to find it funny and if you miss an episode you won't be missing anything out but if you know the background and if you know see all the episodes it makes it funnier definitely yeah as we said outright they say that they're (sighs) a crap family handling a number of things like they don't bother tidying up the garden they don't bother painting the house you know the focal point is just on the family day-to-day Right, you ride these things on the seat of your pants. Yeah. Um, and you know the the point is on every single family member, including Kenneth. You know, and it's not just JJ. JJ, you know, things sur- uh, surround JJ, but he's not like um, he's not in the forefront of every single episode like the no. only protagonist like no. every single member of the Demeo family is the protagonist in Speechless. You you also get a number of episodes where he's quite openly annoyed about everyone having to focus on him all the time oh yeah you know he he doesn't want to be the inspiration and stuff he just wants to do his thing but kenneth yeah one of the one of the plot lines they have with kenneth is kenneth who is his carer also has his his own life yeah and that that presents that dynamic and that is hilarious yeah and how people Um, do and do not get involved with kenneth's life as well but basically, everybody just gets by how whichever way they know best, whether it's the best way or yeah. not, it's the way they know best. Um, and their character flaws are really relatable. Yes, a lot of them are in exaggerated for comedic effect because this is a comedy show. There's no one with a flaw that's beyond real. Not really. I mean, you can. Each of the characters also has no intention of giving up on their flaws. Like, yeah. <laughs> they just don't care. But that's what makes them nice. Yeah. You you do root for them. Because, you know, they haven't had much luck with many social situations. I can relate to that. Yeah. Um, But then, you know, they do have a bit of an epiphany and stuff. But it's just a genuine feel-good film. I told my mum and dad about it. And my mum, honestly, she's just... She's crying with laughter. My dad's like, oh, I heard you laughing at that. <laughs> you know, he was like upstairs, the opposite side of the house. It's so number, the, the other thing is the yeah. number of times you've turned around and you've just gone, that's me, or that's our yeah. family, oh, or that's my brother. Like when you just say, they do say this, you yeah. know, and you've had external family say nonsense and stuff. You know, it's, how is he? Oh, he'll be fine. It's like, no, don't erase the support we need just to make, function, you know. It's certain, crazy. It just... 
it just makes it funnier because it's true. Absolutely, and absolutely, and it doesn't diminish that either. No. And that it just gives you a voice that you don't often see. So thank you, speechless. Yay. Thank you, E4. We did hear last week, sadly. Hey, gosh, shit, Shut up. <laughs> Apparently, the end of season three is very conclusive and nice. So maybe it's yeah. just a nice bow around the end of season three. That's that. It won't be renewed. But that's fine. I'd rather see one series of yeah. this than none at all. And I wouldn't want it to run and have different directors and have it taken a different direction. It's gone but out on the high. That's it, absolutely. And we need more variety of shows. We don't need the same shows going on for 10, 12, 15 seasons. Big Bang! Big Bang Theory, <laughs> which we're not going to talk about on this podcast. We, ju- Yeah, things have a shelf life and that's okay. Also on TV... Sabrina. Sabrina. The chilling tales of Sabrina. The teenage witch thing subtitle <laughs> you're going okay so Kiernan Shipka returns to Netflix after six months with the ten episodes of the second part of the first season thanks Netflix what the fuck <laughs> of the chilling adventures of Sabrina continuing where the first part left off in Greendale in the witching world trying to balance Sabrina's good nature against the pressures of advanced Satanism and without any decent lighting even in the daytime the latest run of Sabrina sees Father Faustus Blackwood be a manipulative bastard Sabrina Spellman and Hilda Spellman having lives saving Sabrina uh, assorted Scooby gangs of the mortal and magic words agreeing only on Sabrina being lovely, magical familiar Salem being maliciously underused, damn right, and Luke Cook pumps about for a couple of episodes as a 60s BBC DJ ver- version of Lucifer Morningstar, and Dorian Gray running a bar because he still hasn't learned about after the League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. Fair point. <sighs> I kind of liked it. Did you? I I like season two a bit more than season one, but I think that's because everybody was established. But you kind of liked it. Why did you kind of like it? I kind of liked it because it's too determined to stick with its concepts and not happy to run with its characters. It just feels too confined. Mm. So it's it's got a couple of by-the-number plots Mm -hmm. and very you can see that this is going to happen story elements that are dull Mm. and the rest of it is really nice but i'm just sitting there going well these characters would be so much better if they could just flourish and do their thing rather than having to operate within these confines Mm. i also get irritated by the by the numbers satanism of just like who 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 we are the Satans. Out there, murder is bad, so we think it is good. It's like, really? Yes, we think murder is great. Why are you upset your mate just got killed? Ah, uh, plot reasons. <laughs> just contrarianist Satanism, which is a bit limp. So there's two churches of Satan in real life, isn't there? Oh, well, there's many, many, many. There's many, many. many. Oh, loads. But I've heard of the main two. Yeah. One of which the Sabrina set ripped off their Baphomet design, yes. which I think we covered in a previous podcast. Yeah. Um, but, but does it, is it wishy washy to kind of cover all bases? No, that's what I'm saying. It's proper Satanism is about the, the power of the individual and it's almost like a. Autonomy and the power autonom- to make your choice. It's about right? autonomy and it's also like a. a it's, it's relatively atheistic in its worldview. Mm-hmm. Whereas this version is just literally let's take the Ten Commandments and invert them and that's great. Mm. And 
it's the kind of version of Satanism that high school girls get into after they've got to uni. But so isn't that very it? structured and yeah? But isn't that it's? It just I would argue that's number one. That's its main audience demographic, and number two, there's nothing wrong with having a linear structure until you find your own way. Possibly, I just found it a bit. Meh. Okay. I, the, the, the thing though, I'm not going to say anything about the character about the actors because the actors are great. I think. Some of the moments in it are brilliant. Some of the character developments are yeah. brilliant. The, the 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 way the characters have grown and all that is great. Although Sabrina did get a little bit, Sabrina's very caught in this bubble of perfection. But I I would watch another season of it. It's not as bad as Riverdale. <laughs> not well, by an English, not by a mile. So the the second half of season one, it basically shows Sabrina getting used to her gnarly witch powers, doesn't yeah. it? It's like she uses them for good. Yeah. She uses them to banish shitty behaviours like jocks picking on her friend. Oh, I say picking on, bloody harassing her friend who just wants to play basketball in the guy's team. Mm. Uh, the sexism within that and the sexism in the coven hierarchy. It is feminist. You know, yes, overtly some people oh, will God, roll yeah. their eyes. Some people will feel empowered by it. That's fine. But I found it, I did find it a little meandering, but also really satisfying. To me, it, it makes up for... It's a different type of TV that we're watching. Yeah. And I'm fine with that. It's going to have growing pains. No yeah. teenage pun intended. Or is it? I don't know. You decide. But I, I did, uh, yeah, it's inspired people to do fan art. Maybe more people are reading the Archie comics. Maybe. I'm happy with that. It's not saying it's not bad. It's, it's just stuff like they had Dorian Gray turn up for no reason other than he's in the public domain. Yeah. And... He didn't really do anything. Maybe not. Other than I be mean, there. the pacing was apart from the darkness as well. The pacing was all over the shop, wasn't it? Oh, the pa- the pacing was the pacing was horrible, and that's what I mean by the pacing was very much constraining it yeah. rather than letting it roll. I mean, the ending to season one was amazing, but again, it felt like it was if the entire second half, if not the whole series, had been as gung ho as those final yeah. couple of episodes, it would have been killer. I'm, I'm just but it's, hoping it's well worth it for the ending. I'm just isn't hoping it? season two, yeah, is gonna just now they've got kind of like the formal stuff out of the way. Where season two will actually just just let itself run wild and have confidence. Mm-hmm. I think that's the thing is that you've got some very confident performances. You've got some some very confident concepts and the 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 equality message of it, the feminist message of it. That's great. Mm-hmm. I just think it's almost like. We're this far out of the norm. We're going to have to have these boundaries to convince people it isn't weird and inaccessible. I'm like, no, no, no. Sod them. Just go with it. Do what you're going to do. Cheer. And that, that that would be my main takeaway. And not hire literal Eric, the lighting guy, who, when you said this is a dark TV series, decided to fill all the lights with black light bulbs. <laughs> you can't see. I, I kid you not. We we were boosting up the contrast on day sequences just so we could ha- see what was going on. A bit like Game of Thrones, to, to be oh. honest. We had to turn the lights off and put and turn the curtains together. Pull Boost the curtains together. The, oh, it Honestly. was ridiculous. Maybe laugh though. That the lighting guy from Game of Thrones went on social media after the first couple of dark episodes. Like, oh, it's not me. It's your televisions. It's like, oh my god, dude. See, <laughs> again, Game of, Game of oh, Thrones dear. is like we're having people were going. Ugh. We're having a battle at night with no torches and I can't see anything. It's like, yes! <laughs> I'm complaining about the lights not being good 
in the middle of the day when there's no clouds uh, in the sky and they're up on Look at Me Sunny Hill and you can't see, and you need a flashlight to see your hand. Oh dear. Subtle differences. Oh dear, no. Meanwhile, at the cinema... Clown. Is that what it was called? Clown. It was just called Clown. Hmm, okay. <laughs> you can tell Laura's opinion on this one. <laughs> So, director John Watts presents a touching family drama about the difficulties of balancing being a modern fa- modern father with be- with being possessed by a demon, Cluin, and having to make the difficult choice of which five children you should eat before bedtime. So, listeners, as Andy knows, I'm a total clown bigot, <laughs> so I wasn't up for this film much at all. Um, but actually, it started off... Um, you know, as expected, pretty clown-like. But then it concentrated on people's reactions instead of just jumping into the hokey clown shit. Yeah, it was... For a film that is essentially about a man turning into a killer clown, it was... And, and lots of blood and gore. It was quite low-keyed low, low keyed and quite naturalistically played. And I mean, you, you could have had any other character. It was really interesting how things like he put the nose costume costume nose on and it wouldn't come off that sort yeah. of like cre- and you know and he, everyone's like is this your hair seems a bit curly he, you know. he basically he finds a clown suit in an old chest and because the the clown they booked for the kid's birthday couldn't make it he puts it on and he plays the he clown he literally puts it on to do a good thing and then yeah. he can't take it off and, and so it's... you immediately have empathy it's yeah. like, oh poor bloke he was just trying to fix a problem and now he's suffering for it but the way he reacts to it the way other people react to it the, the response he had like at one point he tries and kills himself because oh, oh my god this yeah. is he he's he's turned into a baby eating clown that's bad <laughs> he he knows what's going on to him there's a lot of humanity and a lot of very low-key played mm. in it like it's uh, very it's super dark but oh, it's terrific i well i didn't find it terrifying no I found that there was a lot of black humour in it, towards the end especially, but I don't know whether it's because it was so ridiculous. I did laugh, but that's probably because I'm just a dickhead. (laughs) And because you have sympathy towards the protagonist, because usually you don't, or I don't, I don't know. I don't know, it connected with me. I think it was a very tightly written family drama, because the main characters are the husband, the wife, and the son. Yeah. That, that's it. it yeah. And it's about their relationship interactions. It's, it's a re- it, it's, and when I say terrifying, it's, it's not gore and blood everywhere, but it's, you're very scared because you care for all these characters, even the one that's turning into, a, into, a, into an evil clown with a bucket full of teeth in it's more. It's, it's, it's also shot in a very simple way. And a very the lighting's very subdued. A lot of the shots from the from where the, when the kids running around, from when the kids being attacked, is from kid height, mm-hmm. and that's played really nicely because that shows you the world and the terror and the, and the angles he's seeing. So you really, at no point was I was either of us going, "You dumb kid, you're doing something dumb," which we quite often in these movies because the children are taught to be stupid in movies. Yeah, in this one, the kid was. You, you either he was smart or you were given enough empathy and he was um, they successfully found an actor that wasn't annoying as all hell mm. and he, I, did, he gave a lot of pathos didn't he so yeah, yeah good for him i thought it was um jolly good fun and have you seen anything else by john watts no i haven't it was a bit of a b-movie low budget indie oh it was it, it's not like something like the bunny game or, or november underground you know the real 
I don't even know what they are. Uh, you don't want to know. <laughs> uh, real gory horror. Mm, torch indie, porn. Torch porn mm, indies. No. It had a proper supernatural indie feel to it. It did. It felt... It, I can't remember what age certificate it was, but it definitely... Was it 15? It was a 15. That's good, because I can handle those. I, I like spooky. I don't mm. like realistic torture gore. I don't think there's any place for it. Well, there is a place for it, but it's not with me. Yeah. <laughs> I, I so wanted to watch, I was cool with it. I wanted to watch a good... I wanted to watch something that reminded me of the 80s and 90s Supernats. Yes. And this totally hit that It did. That it was spot. pretty timeless, actually, wasn't it? So, it, apart from the mobile phones, you could have... Yeah. It would have fitted any time period. I thought the style was was pleasantly... The directorial style, I thought, was pleasantly modern. When I say it had the feel of an 80s or a 90s, it was a lot less... It was a lot, lot less big and expansive than the 80s stuff. It was a lot less horror comedy than the 90s stuff. It just had a... I mean, there were some funny moments, but they were naturally funny rather than having Freddy turn around and wink at the camera sort of stuff. Yeah. I thought it really landed as a good... It, it, it's not a great film, but if you want a tight little 90-minute bit bit of campfire story, you know, campfire story, I thought that was really solid. And the, 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 the concept of it, apart from anything else, the concept of the original clowns being these horrific death creatures from beyond the realms. And then, that is just yeah. I mean, that just fed your bigotry something crazy. <laughs> Fair enough, it did. Do you remember how we watched it? Was it streaming? We watched it on Netflix because Netflix is where decent horror movies end up, but never get announced. Boo. Yeah. They've oh got well. A, they've got a. It's well, worth looking through the back catalogue on there. Well, we're announcing it, and that's yeah. fine. So at the big screen, it's it was pretty good for superhero films over Easter we ended up watching Shazam okay so rocking in as the 6th highest grossing film of the year so far Asher Angel and Zachary Levi share duties as troubled orphan Billy Batson and his even more troubled superpower alter ego Captain Marvel no wait I mean Shazam Marvel please don't sue us given powers by the ancient wizard Shazam Billy fights against Mark Strong's impeccably enunciated Dr. Thaddeus Savannah who is out to destroy the planet with a host of evil gods in the name of being a bastard one thing that means that it needs to be made absolutely clear this is a kids film totally a kids totally. film i worked this out when i was watching it that it was aimed at kids it wasn't aimed at me there's very little like adult subplot or undertones or whatever it's it, it, it's aimed at kids and for for kids mm-hmm. and it works really really well so to me it's a shame that it was a 12 Yes. When it would inches away from being a PG and opening it up to so many more kids to really get stuck into. And those moments stuck out like a sore thumb to me. You could almost see the bits where they decided to push it just that little higher. It's so marginally over the line. It makes you wonder whether it's like Manga Videos 15-ing. Yeah. Where they give videos that had... PG certificate levels of scripting and then they'd throw a couple of F-bombs to get it 15 certificates That's so what that it felt more like. audiences would watch it. Yeah. There were about... There, there were a couple of scary moments. Yeah. But... Didn't someone's head get chopped off? Yeah, there, there were... The, 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 that was the thing, is that there were a couple, a couple of sweary moments, which is cool because kids swear. I don't have a massive problem with that. But they could have toned it down or done it slightly mm-hmm. differently. And the horror sequences were just that little over the line where I'm like, it felt gratuitous and like they did that sequence. They'd firmly established the fact that the bad guy was a dick and then they just pushed it to be that little more. And 
as I said, it just kind of broke it a bit for me. I, I will also say there there were a couple of moments where it didn't. I, I was a bit bored's not the right answer. I got the, I got the, I got the point, and it just was a little lightweight for me. True. I mean, I, I was totally cool with the fact that it was because I was like, no, the, the, it was nice. As I said, it was nice to have a superhero movie that really was trying to be a kids' film. I also wish the certificate yeah. was lower. I mean, more kids would have been able to see it. But hopefully they will when it streams, you know. Oh, almost certainly. Definitely. I mean, uh, also I'm going to mention the character's friend, Freddie Freeman. He always walked with a walking aid. Mm. I think he was one of the very few non-superhero characters at the time to always have a walking aid. It wasn't shoehorned into the movie mm. or anything. I'm really glad they kept that. You know, that was good to see. So, again, when more kids see it, they'll be able to just see a kid with a stick, you know, like yeah. it's a normal thing. Because it is a normal thing, it, you know it, what I mean? It covered subjects of family, it covered subjects of abandonment. Yeah. It covered subjects of. I mean, there was a really heavy sequence when. There, there were some really heavy sequences where issues of. Of your, you know, a kid's place in the world, how they're acting, their parents. That expectation some... as well. Like, we're told, you know, you're supposed to, in certain people's opinion, have our mom, our dad, yeah. whatever. And things don't work out that way. But it, it was crushing. There, in were, parts, there, were a couple you know? of there were a couple of moments where you're sitting there going, okay, so X is going to happen and that will make everyone ha happy and we'll carry on. And it doesn't. No. And it really bluntly didn't. And it no. punched you in those guts. And it was so, so much of a left turn. Yeah. You're, you know, these, these were major plot beats. And I thought those were very bold moves. Absolutely. Because they could have had the same situation happen where if the nice thing had happened and then that got destroyed. Yeah. But, but we instead see that they so just, often, but instead we? they just went, no, the nice thing isn't yeah. going to happen. Yeah, yeah. Your expectations of it's... this are going to be shuffled around. And a again, bit. for a kid's movie. Yeah. Because. That was treating the the audience with respect. It wasn't a kids' movie because it w didn't have gravitas. It wasn't a kids' movie because it didn't have a solid and decent and heavy story to do. It was a kid movie because it was about kids and for kids. Some of the moments in it were just taking the Mickey out of the superhero genre mm. in the way only a kid could do. Mm. There is one sequence where you got the bad guy and Shazam floating in midair. And the bad guy starts monologuing. <laughs> and they're above a city about, I don't know, 30, 40 metres apart. A mile away, something like that. Something like that. And Shazam's just standing there going, I can't hear you, speak <laughs> up. What are you saying? Who are you talking it's to? so and silly. That's what a kid would do. Yeah, and absolutely. That was, it was great. So funny. I loved it. I didn't enjoy it massively, but I enjoyed the fact that it was made for a specific audience. Like, So for me, it was like a 7 out of 10. Yeah, but it, but for the audience, it was aimed at. It was going to be like a nine or a ten out of ten. Totally. And that made me really enjoy the experience of being. I mean, there. it was a total Saturday morning kids' TV show, wasn't it? You know, yeah. I think we went to see it on a Saturday morning yeah. or something. So there was a cartoon. I did grow up watching it every now and again with the Marvel family. Um, I can't, I think it was called Shazam. But it was definitely the whole Captain Marvel thing. Fun fact, I almost bought tickets for the film Captain Marvel again by accident <laughs> instead of buying the tickets for Shazam. But that copyright clusterfuck is well worth reading up on. The entire thing yeah. is on Wikipedia. 
So yeah, it's uh, it's intriguing. So yeah, anyway, it, you know, the cartoon was great. It, it wasn't great, sorry. It was different. It it was cute, but it was pretty straightforward, standard. Shazam, you had Mary Marvel and the Freddie Freeman character when he ch- and they all said Shazam and they all changed. Um, you know, and she was one of the few superhero ladies on television that I knew of. It wasn't on Children's BBC or ITV. It was on one of those um, uh, VHS things. But this film, it took all... I mean, it was cute and colourful, but it didn't have any weight to it in the slightest. This film, yeah, it took all the seriousness out of the DC films. It just threw it in the bin and farted on it. Like, it just didn't give a shit about the angsty angst angst. It really took itself so unseriously it was a joy to behold i disagree that it didn't take itself unseriously i think it, well, it took itself seriously it on a take, different set of rules it didn't take itself angstily how's yes. that yeah which is not to say there weren't moments of, of extreme but that, that was the thing I've, I've said this before marvel are doing brilliantly because they keep on making different styles of movie dc were doing awfully because they had this one idea of a, of a superhero movie which was essentially trying to recreate Watchmen. Mm-hmm. this just went hang on, what if a 12-year-old became a superhero? Mm-hmm. And it worked. Mm-hmm. I mean, even the fact that he's that the character's called Shazam and he's given the powers by Shazam, he's a 12-year-old kid. That sequence, which is essentially the same as who's on first, with this thousand-year-old super wizard just on the verge of calling the kid dumb, it was lovely. Yeah, it was really and real. It, yeah, it didn't feel shoehorned. It felt no. like you've got a 12-year-old being confused because <laughs> apart from anything else... I'm sitting there just going, who's Shazam again? <laughs> you're Shazam, but you're Shazam. But... So does he? It, it showed a diversity and a respect. It definitely showed a respect to the audience. Yeah, I'm glad I went to see it. I'm very glad I went so to see it. I hope it does well, and I hope they get a couple more films out of it, because it was very, very silly. I think if DC, if DC carry on having this kind of uh, yeah. approach to respecting their IPs... Totally. I think there's gonna, it's going to be great. Totally. So. But yeah, moving back to horror. Back to like, horror. Horror comedy, oh, horror, horror comedy. comedy. Story of our life. So yeah, we went to see Pet Cemetery. I don't want to be buried in the Pet Cemetery. So carrying on the theme of family dramas, we have a touching and tender story of the difficulties of dealing with a young father changing jobs, changing homes, and having his daughter change into an unstoppable undead killing machine bent on needless and cruel destruction of all living things after his cat goes through the same experience and just basically carries on being a cat. Based on the Stephen King novel, previously put to film in the 90s, it stars Jason Clarke, Amy Simetz, sorry, John Lithgow, Jeet Lawrence, and five utterly adorable Maine Coons. So I'd not seen the original one before, I still haven't, so the entire film was a surprise. I didn't look it up on Wikipedia or anything. I basically went for the cats and I was not disappointed. <laughs> the cats... We we were sitting there, and as soon as the cat's on, we were just making purring noises. And <laughs> it's just me and Andy going. Ah. <laughs> it's like everyone else is just going. It's got someone's arm in its hand. We're there going. Oh, the cutie pooty cat, cutie oh, pooty cat. That cat's a bit like Gaga after uh, Rollins has come back from the vet's <laughs> Don't. <laughs> Murderous Don't. and asleep. So, surprise John Lithgow. Um, he was really good. He was good, but I was expecting him to do his um, third Rock from the Sun sort of impression, because that's why I mainly <laughs> knew him from. <laughs> this is the thing. I've known him from serious drama. Exactly. I've also, and and I, I thought he did an incredibly good turn and with a very measured performance. He was very 
real as an elderly gentleman. You know, he has seen a lot. He does know the way of the world. But he loved having a kid around because that he made did. him happy. And he was... he did. It was a bit lonely as well, but yeah. it not in a creepy way yeah. at all, you know. So I was used to that kind of thing. And you're just sitting there just going, ho, 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 third rock. <laughs> They're going to say something socially <laughs> awkward. <laughs> so that was quite funny. But um, there were a lot of things in that film that did not make sense to me they just seem to be purely there to give you the shits like uh. so for me mainly the flashbacks to the mom character's sister when she was possessed in the 70s and appearing in the houses you know what the dumb waiter lift is the term yeah. for those lifts that go between floors yeah. i did not know that until yeah. i was researching notes for this so you know what i mean like she just suddenly she was just there for no reason she wasn't possessed she was ill I, no it, she was possessed because she appeared suddenly in ceilings and the dumb way to lift and was just there to give you the shit. That was the mum's manifestation of her fears and then later the manifestations of the evil. I didn't think the daughter, I didn't think the sister was was possessed. I thought she was just really ill and the child was Did we watch two different films? No, we just processed it differently. <laughs> I thought it was okay. I so, thought that was the un, unreliable narrative, the, the 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 small child being an unreliable narrator. The small child, the, the mom, the mom when she was young, yeah, processing things as a child mm. and getting it wrong. Okay, unreliable nar- narrator. Okay. Uh, no, the fact we got two different reads off it, that's not a problem. It's <laughs> really interesting. So no, I think I interpreted that as spooky shit was happening to the mom, so mm. she knew something bad was happening okay she got the vibe and she wanted to tell everybody to go but it was the dad that was like no no it's fine like even though i i like that because the actual pet cemetery is this really spooky place and there's this stuff happening in the background there's this like this 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 background story going on that they never really go into the detail of and they never really explain how it works this i like that i I liked it because it was like, there's this place over there that's beyond the knowings of mortal man. Oh, how does it work? We don't know. It's beyond the knowings of mortal man. Whereas the the, the movie that's been, the follow-up that's being done to it is going to go into the history in the background. And oh, I'm yeah, like, they're making a sequel. But I they? don't want to know no. the history in the background because the point is, it's unknowable. That's fine. We just won't watch the sequel. <laughs> yeah. I really liked it. I, I, I liked the way it was a, it was a slow horror it, it was, was a slow horror. Again, it was a 15. I could handle that on the big screen. It wasn't particularly gory. It was just creepy. It wasn't pleasant. No, no. It was very miser- It was a very miserable film. It was, wasn't it? I thought, the, I thought the dream sequences were really good, though, mm. because there, there, was some, there were a number of sequences which were quite surreal, mm. as in the, just the way they were moving through the angle. It, it was a dream sequence, and I thought they really landed very well. Mm. But if you get a chance to Google the Pet Cemetery red carpet pictures, do look for... There's one where the like the producer and director on the red carpet with one of the cats, and he's sat there in his little bow tie, and the shot makes the cat yeah. look like he's smiling. Oh, my God, it's so cute. You, you were loading up on those pictures before you went in, and you were loading uh, up on them before you went out, because the movie itself is 
is so depressing. It's a, it's it really is, a yeah. story about loss, about depression. Not about, being able to come to terms with shit. Yeah, just not coming to terms with things. Yeah. So it was if it had been a stronger rating that would have got in the way. Again, it was it was the horror of what was going on was sufficient to be scary. If you'd had because there were a couple of sequences that easily could have thrown the claret around mm-hmm. a bit more. Mm-hmm. And I thought it was very sensible that they didn't because they just let what was happening carry the weight of it. And I will note, they did a, the original uh, Pet Cemetery tune by the Ramones was written at the behest of Stephen King for that movie. That's cool. And I didn't know it was. the cover version, yes. I thought was relatively good. Not Ramones good. In, in this film. In this film. was yeah. good. Not Ramones good, but good. I only know the Ram... No, I do know the Ramones one, but I know the Ramstein one. They sang it live. Quite possibly. And it was one of my early MP3s yeah. that I got back in the day. I think I could see that working. But yeah, I... I, I don't want to be married in, in a pet cemetery! <laughs> Bang! Boom! Explosions! Unz, 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 unz. Fire. fire! That's exactly what happens, Andy. Absolutely. I, I, if this is the kind of horror cinema we're going to be getting yeah because we are having a bit of a, a kickback it's like it's gonna it, it's having its second run uh there's talk about various franchises being rebooted hellraiser's probably getting a reboot if we're looking at this kind of a thought out horror coming again rather than the gorno shit that's been pummeled around for ages i could really get behind this revival We'll see. It might be more subtle than an actual revival. However, seeing more films of this ilk would be nice and pleasant. Thank yeah. you. Meanwhile, in the workshop. Andy, what have you been making? I have got a new blog on the go. Ooh. I have got a series of called Trash or Treasure. Ooh. It's a weekly blog found, findable at bunkerzilla.co.uk. What's the name of that website again? bunkerzilla.co.uk. Can you hear me, Ian? <laughs> Once more, for Ian, bunkerzilla.co.uk. <laughs> I have to say that from the media whore of a station manager over there. <laughs> the idea is I'm taking films that either people haven't heard of or that they've heard by reputation alone. And just giving them through a rinse and going, you know, you know what? If someone just found this and watched it, what would they make of it today? Because I'm very, very good with old movies. Going, you know, well, we've got to forgive. You know, here's the social context, and here's the this, and here's the what. And it's like, yeah, what if, what if you just watched it and didn't care about the making of, like some massive nerd like I am? Um, yeah, and... I mean, like we, we, it's important to acknowledge that times were different, but also know. It- excuses at the same time so it's a very because i've been looking at you know i've been reading your articles as well like a very good wife um and i think that you know they're completely fair you know not everything is treasure not everything's trash though you know you need to strike up a good balance and i think you do make some great points i mean a number of them are coming from my dvd collection so yeah a number of them are trash because i i do like the more there was a wonderful series called The Psychotronic Video Guide, which is kind of one of the inspirations behind this, where it's just taking weird-ass, off-the-rails stuff and running it through. That's a blog, is it? Uh, it was an old, It was literally a video guide. It was like this oh. catalogue of strange movies. Doing that, uh, I'm <laughs> so that's what I've got time for at the moment, due to horrible life circumstances, <laughs> which I'm not going to go into. Yeah, so... 
that's what I've been making. So I believe it comes out every Monday, bunkerzilla.co.uk, search for Trash or Treasure, or keep an eye on me, at Raggedy Man, and I'm also more than happy to accept requests. So if there's movies people think I really should run through. I think at the moment we've got Dune and Plan 9 from Out of Space up on there. I've got The Crow and I've got Funny Man coming out soon. Uh, I'm also going to be doing Zombie Nosh and a couple of other to-be-announced things. <laughs> so, uh, rag at Raggedy Man on Twitter or SuperFortressHG at Gmail for suggestions for films for me to sit down and run my thoughts through. I think Super Fortress HG is also on Twitter. Yes. Isn't it? Yes. At Hardcore Genki. At Hardcore Genki. So hit us up at Hardcore Genki. Great. So, Laura, what have you been making? A project I still can't talk about. Uh, <laughs> this has been going on since December. Oh, God. Uh, let me no. share your pain with people other than me. I know. I bet you're dying. Yeah. Um, actually, are. yeah, end of October. It's a project that was kind of discussed around June, July, and then I sent some queries back. <laughs> then I didn't hear anything back, and they're like, oh, quick, can we do the thing? And I was like, okay. So, but it was a really nice, it is a nice opportunity, and it's nearly done, but I can't say anything about it just yet. But I hope you're excited about this mystery project. And in my notes, I've put, and 187 pages left of Biomaker Chapter 10. 18 pages left of Biomaker Chapter 10. It feels like I have 187 pages to do, because you know, life stops me. How many chapters are going to be in the book in total? Uh, thirteen. Okay, so it's you... all it's all laid out and everything. It's all thumbnailed and everything. So I bought myself a swank new iPad that I'm using to read my notes for this podcast. Because um, we're done killing trees. Yeah. Um. So let's go digital, digital. Um. <laughs> <laughs> Never did that again. <laughs> so, yes, so I've got lots of thumbnails with my comic. So I took a shitty little photo of it on my phone, exported it to Google Drive, now imported it into my iPad, and I'm essentially penciling. I want to finish Chapter 10 as I began in Manga Studio on my computer, but now I've got an iPad. I will, for Chapter 11, I will start subscribing to manga studio which is clip studio paint on my ipad i bought the fancy swanky swanky ipad pencil which is like the most expensive pen i've ever bought at like what 110 pounds jesus christ bury me with that yeah. when i go please yeah. that's just insane the whole thing was great and i wouldn't have actually been able to get on with that if it wasn't for the secret project which i'm really mm. grateful for yeah i'm investing to get things done a little bit better but under extra you know the month of may has not been kind no you may like to know that our cat is okay after suddenly developing seven excruciating kidney slash urethra stones poor chap you may have heard rollins at various points through the podcast you may recognize him from pictures such as what we constantly bomb our feeds with oh yeah you know it's, oh. it's a currency in kind so sweet little rollins was not well but he's all right now he is sleeping in the same room as this podcast so bless him but yeah also rest in peace grumpy cats mm. long live grumpy memes so she is now visiting the original keyboard cat who i think was the first internet cat the russian no 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 cat she passed out passed on in the summer last year 
and Colonel Meow, who was actually a Guinness World Record holder for the longest fur on a cat. So I hope they have a lovely little walk along Rainbow Bridge. And no sad aloud, only happy laughs of memes and internet Aww. videos. Because cats on the internet do bring joy. Yeah. And we hope that putting ours on the internet bring a little bit of joy as well. It brings us a lot of joy. Because they bring us joy. And we want to share that because cats are great. Yeah. <laughs> events this year but the first two that are coming up over the summer is hyper japan in july 2019 london olympia it's mainly me andy is coming along as my beloved booth beef um i get self-facilitating internet internet media supernode for bunkerzilla.co.uk that's bunkerzilla.co.uk <laughs> so Andy will be walking around maybe with a bunkerzilla press pass or something I don't know uh, yeah we're hoping to do um, some interviews and ideally we're going to do another view from the bar that would be good um, I'm going I've applied for an artist fringe table I went the last went to Hyper Japan about five years ago uh, the table they give you is about as big as a postage stamp. So I'm having to think very carefully about what stock I do and do not take. Two suitcases, one each, and we trundle down. We're going to go down by train, set up on the Friday. Because it's only Friday afternoon, actually. So mm. we get the Friday morning, which is nice. Saturday, Sunday, trade, come back, crash out. I'm crashing out on the Monday. Uh, they are very long days at Hyper Japan. However, weirdly now, we're kind of used to it because London MCM has the same excruciating work hours as well. So I'm like, I'm older, wiser, tired, less giving of a fucker. Um, so I'm, I am looking forward to Hyper Japan because I just haven't been for a while. So I'm hoping the audience won't have seen my stuff before and they'll be curious. So therefore they'll want to pick it up a bit. I think Hyper Japan is a tricky one because it is very, very focused and a lot of people go there for the authentic Japanese stuff. Well, you say authentic, but hopefully they won't have an inauthentic pirate stuff. Yeah, hopefully, but hope's a wonderful thing. But there's also still a lot of weebs out there that won't really accept anything inspired. Like, no. they only want the precious Japanese thing. So, I don't, I don't know. I'm we'll wondering, see. I'm wondering whether the internet has crossed over those big weeb Venn diagrams of wants and needs and desires. Because I would like to see a lot more people draw their own thing. Yes. And there are more people that do draw their own thing. Over the past year, there's four or five artists that have outright said yeah i'm just gonna draw fan art for myself i'm not gonna sell it i was like great that's awesome you know it shouldn't really have to be a thing to be announced but if people want to announce it then that is totally cool some of it's hopefully because the bottom's falling out of the market well it might be i mean okay case in point um secret super secret projects if i had just spent the past five ten years of my life drawing a back catalogue of fan art wouldn't have been able to use it in this super secret project I could just go through my computer files, dig around and pull out original characters that I'd done. And, you know, maybe people don't think that book projects or whatever projects are going to happen to them. But, you know, if you build it up, then you've got it there. if you're inventing stuff, you're you're getting used to the idea of making a unique image rather than copying someone else's. And I'm not saying you can't take inspiration from or anything like that. Totally right. And I'm also not saying that fan art doesn't teach you stuff. absolutely does and you absolutely must because it replenishes joy in your heart yeah absolutely i'm I'm just saying that there's a different set of skills out there Mm. that you can 
monetized and there's a lot more people out there there's a lot more money out there than people think in the non-weeb art world because weeb art is a very small purse comparatively it is it is so we'll see what happens at Harper Japan Uh, the other convention that we've got is in the middle of August and this is SunnyCon Liverpool I have not been to Liverpool since 2001 so I'm looking forward to actually going around and looking at Liverpool Take, going around Liverpool with Andy. Mm-hmm. Um, we haven't been around there before together. Um, Andy will have a table at Sunny Khan. I will have a table at Sunny Khan. We will team up and sell our wares. It's going to be very interesting and fun. Um, looking forward to it rather a lot. Yeah. See you there. Anyway, that's our update for April 2019. <laughs> April. <laughs> April. April. <laughs> but if you like this podcast, please share it with your friends. If you want, rate us online because it really helps spread the word and we'll love you forever. The Hardcore Genki podcast is available from raggedyman.net slash the Raggedy Jam podcast as well as on iTunes, Stitcher Radio, Pocket Cast and from Passing Dragons that stole the CGI budget from the elephants in Game of Thrones. It's also syndicated on that website again bunkazilla.co.uk the UK geek culture online radio channel and as always please send any feedback you have on the show to superfortresshg at gmail or tweet us at hardcoregenki on twitter please do send us some feedback not just likes well send us likes as well well yeah obviously send us some feedback if you can basically so that you know that you still love we know that you still love us and whereabouts we can improve the show the sorts of things you want us to talk about have you got any ideas or suggestions I know I'd really like Laura and Andy to chat the shit about X. Off you go. X-Men. I don't know. So Raggedy Man can be found online at www.raggedyman.net. Needlessly aggressive products on Facebook and Etsy and behind the scenes photos of the project can be found at instagram.com forward slash needlessly aggressive. Pink Apple Jam can be found at www.pinkapplejam.com and also on Twitter on Etsy at Pink Apple Jam on Facebook Pink Apple Jam Art and, and online, on Twitter on Twitter Pink Apple Jam Art someone needs to Art. update their notes yes <laughs> so until next time goodbye farewell and from the Super Fortress Hardcore Genki bye, bye.